Welcome. Well, church family, my name is Barrett Bowden, and I'm lead pastor here at Island Community Community Church, Church and I'm excited today to be able to continue our series, a little mini-series that God told us that this was time for us to do as a church family called Beyond Giving. And if you've got your Bibles this morning, I would hope that you would get them out and ready. Um, And also, if you've got something to take notes with, I would highly encourage you to do so. I have gotten so much positive feedback and encouragement. Our elder team and myself, thank you for uh, just helping us know that this is exactly what God has intended for this season and that it's been helpful and needed in your life. And I'm really excited for this morning. I just want to remind you, our community groups are up and running. We would love to have you join in a community group. Many of them are going through this series along with us and teaching. And also, I just want to recommend to you, we do have a finance team that's committed to help disciple you in things related to finance. I'm trying to do that in this series on Sundays, but we also have a heart to do that in other ways. There's a resource uh, library out in the lobby Uh, this month. It's all dedicated to great books and resources related to biblical financial stewardship and just what it looks like to walk with wisdom in God's way with money. So if you're looking for next steps beyond this series, I'd encourage you to the lobby and also talk to one of our finance team members. Last week, we started the series, and I think perhaps for some in the room, it may have been a little bit surprising Um, because what I was trying to convey is what I really believe is God's heart for us as it relates to money, and it's really not about your money in and of itself. We looked last week at Matthew chapter 6, and if you've got your Bible and you want to open it to that brief verse, we're not going to study that again, but I just wanted you to see it again because it is the foundation of the framework for this series. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And if you want to read it with me, I would love for you to do that. It's on the screen. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is what Jesus teaches us. He wants you to understand that there is a direct relationship between the resources that you have, how you use them, and where your heart is. There's a direct connection between your resources and your heart. And last week, I told you our main point last week, and again, it's not the main point for this morning, but it's foundational throughout the series, so I wanted to say it again. I told you that when we have this conversation about money, the reason it's so important, it's not aimed at a campaign, we're not trying to raise money for something, we're we're not trying to just, you know, uh, tell you you got to give X amount, Um, we're not doing that in this series. What we're trying to do is to help you know God's heart for you. God is not poor, he owns all resources in the world. God is not a one who is out to scheme to get rich off of you. He gave his life for you. So when he looks at you and says, I want to talk to you about money, you got to know it's not about just the money itself, although money can be useful for the things of God. It's primarily about what is good for your heart and what would glorify his name. It's about him chasing your heart. And last week, we talked about how Jesus sees beyond what we give and how much we give to how we give it. I was thinking, uh, we were talking last week about the story of the widow's mite. I was thinking about, uh, it was about two months ago, we were nearing the end of the year and if you know anything about uh, where we were as a church, we were praying for God's provision. Thankfully, we ended the year in a surplus thanks to your generosity and God's faithfulness, but it was in the weeks leading up to the end of the year and 
I'm a pastor. I love our church. Dinner table conversations are often involve things, you know, we're just processing things and praying about things. And one of the things I had asked for prayer for that night was uh, for God's provision for our church. And all of a sudden, Caroline, if you don't know our daughter, Caroline, there's a picture that I'll put up of her on the screen here. Um, that's Caroline Jane. She's nine years old. I cannot believe that I have a nine-year-old girl. I cannot be that old, okay? It feels like yesterday that she was born. But uh, Caroline Jane, if you, ooh, getting emotional. She has the most sincere and this tender heart. She's a tender-hearted girl. She had heard us praying about money and the next night at dinner she came and she said, Daddy, I've got something I want to tell you. And I was like, what? And she says, well, she says, I've been getting money for the last few Christmases from all of our family and I've been saving it for college. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know, we, we don't touch her piggy bank. She says, but I just want you to know, she says, I've taken my money and I want to give it to the church. I said, Caroline, no. She said, yeah, I've talked to the other kids at church about it. <laughs> she says, and we all have decided that we're going to bring what we have. She says, we love our church. And she says, we love God. And she says, and we just want to do what we can too. Now granted, you would look at the amount of money and you would go, it's not a whole lot what she's put together, what the others have put together. But I really believe that what they put together is an offering and they came in and gave it and some of our children's workers could testify to the day. It was really overwhelming to, re to, to receive, really humbling to receive such a gift from children. But I really believe that what they gave that day was more than any of the rest of us because it came from their heart. What God is after is not the amount of money that you give. God is after your heart. He wants you to have a tender heart toward him. He wants you to have a sincere desire to just love on him and to bless him and to love others and bless others. It is about your heart. So this conversation about money is really important for us to have together because we want, don't you want, I asked you last week, right? for personal reflection, like, don't you want to grow? Like, don't you want to open yourself? Why would you not want to open yourself up to let God grow you in an area where you really need to grow? Money is a part of learning to live wholly in God's good design. Why would you not want to open yourself up to hear from God about how he has created you and what it looks like to live life a life of flourishing, including the resources that you have. And I really believe that you want to grow, and I believe that is why you're here, and that is why I'm excited to continue today. I told you that there are four ways that I want to explore that God wants to grow your hearts. Four ways in Scripture that I believe that God wants to grow your hearts. These four ways are captured by the icons of the series, and today we're going to be looking at the first icon, and I hope you'll remember each of these in some way, whether it's the word or the icon or both, but the first way that God is chasing your heart is he wants to grow you in worship. God wants to grow you in worship. The title of today's message is Giving Grows Worship. Hopefully you have something to write it down. 
Giving grows worship. And our main verse this morning will be from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. However, we will not get there for just a little bit, but that is the, the verse that I want you to remember. If there's any one verse from the series, I want you to write that verse down, seek to memorize it, to anchor your heart upon it, because I believe in that verse, which we'll get to in just a few moments, there is a key to unlocking growth in your heart. Giving grows worship. Can y'all say that with me? Giving grows worship. Our main point this morning is this. God invites us to grow in gratitude, recognizing his generosity toward us. Part of what God is doing and asking you to give is by his Holy Spirit, he's inviting you. He's inviting you to grow in gratitude. And he's inviting you to recognize his generosity toward you. The title of today's message, say it with me again, Giving Grows Worship. All right, here's the foundation and then we'll talk about this together. Giving, in its essence, you gotta understand it as this, it's an act of worship. To understand giving is best understood in God's design, giving is meant in your life to be an act of worship for you, all right? Now, when we talk about worship, um, there's a lot of definitions you could use, but one of the, the ways that I like to disciple uh, men and women that I've had a chance to disciple personally in this, and as I've taught over the last 12 years, I've tried to say this again and again pastorally, understanding worship is this. It's, it's just our response to who God is pretty simple. It's like, once you understand who God is and you respond to him for who he is, that is, in its simple, simple, simple form, a a good understanding of worship, okay? Another way that I could describe it um, is this. It is reveal and response, okay? Reveal and response. Has anybody... Uh, back in the 90s, early 2000s. I'm dating myself here. Please forgive me. I'll use a more current example soon for those who don't know the one I'm about to use. But did anybody remember the show? They just actually brought it back, uh, I think about five, 10 years ago. It wasn't nearly as popular, but Extreme Home Makeover. Anybody? Show of hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, I was not alone. If you know anything about the show, what you know is that in each episode, a family was selected who typically was going through a hard time no fault of their own, it could have been some financial struggles, it could have been um, uh, cancer or sickness. It, it, it often was uh, people who were just, had, they, were, they were like good people doing their best, but they, they were in a living situation that was less than ideal, and they would apply to get basically a free makeover for their home, and Ty Pennington would come in and with his crew and all this, y'all remember the show, um, he'd come in and they'd like, it was like glam fabulous, all right, whatever you call that. Like it was like beautifully, I mean like the home was just transformed. They would often add on to it, completely redo it to the point that like by the time it was done, like you didn't even recognize the house. It was amazing makeovers. Now they did this while the family was away. They sent the family on vacation every episode. So the family had to leave the house. The last time they see it was how it was. They do the whole makeover and they bring them back. And if you remember the show, right? They bring them back and they blindfold them. They put them behind this bus 
and the house is behind the bus and the family's standing up near the bus so they can't really see anything but what's right in front of them on the bus. And then on the count of three, they all go, if you know the show, move that bus, right? And as soon as they move that bus, they crank it up, it rolls out of the way, all of a sudden the family gets their first glimpse of the home. And if you remember the show, you saw scenes like this where the family would stand there and I get, I cry every episode, it's so lame. I cry every episode. They stand there and they, it's just these moments where it's just like something that like, like, are you kidding me? And the story mixed with the gift that the house is and then watching their reaction and just being overwhelmed by it. They're just like, are you kidding me? And typically they'd fall down on the ground or they'd scream and cry. Some families would jump up and down and do the whole thing and they'd hug each other and they're just, they're just overwhelmed. The show was wildly popular because it, was, it pulled at your heartstrings, all right? It did. This is what I call a reveal and response moment. The reveal moment is the move that boss moment and they get a glimpse of this amazing gift that they've been given. But the response to the glimpse, it, it's not planned. It's just as soon as they see it, it just happens. Because you can't receive a gift that good. You can't see something that magnificent without going, are you kidding me? And it just, it, that's what made the show is the, respond, the reveal response moment. Now there's a lot of reveal response moments perhaps in your life. Getting really excited about Les Miserables that's coming to the Orpheum next week for some of you. And you're gonna sit in your seat and the, Soon as the music starts, you know, ah, you know, your heart's going to burst open or whatever. Perhaps it's your sports team at the Super Bowl next week and you're, you're just pumped up because you're a Chiefs fan, the Gartrells, and not to name anybody. Um, I saw y'all here somewhere. Um, where are you? Hey, go Chiefs. Um, <laughs> You're just so pumped up in the reveal moment and then it just, it just, they'll just, they're going to be decked out in all red next week. Let's just be honest, okay? Um, Taylor Swifties, this was the current example that I thought of. Um, okay, I'm striking out. Never mind. <laughs> but anyway, she, apparently she like pops off out of stage. Everybody is anticipating it. You know, it's a reveal and response. Here's the point. You pick the situation that you're talking about. There are some times where you're, when you just get revealed something, the response just naturally happens. Something so amazing, like the show, gifts so generous, and it just, the response just comes. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. If you wanna understand worship, you can understand it as a reveal and response. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six, write it down. It's not the main verse, or you can turn to it if you'd like to, but it's gonna be here on the screen. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What the scripture is teaching us is that just as you can imagine a dark room and all of a sudden a light shines, Whoa, light, a reveal moment. In such a way, our God who made light shine from darkness 
is at work graciously and powerfully in your heart as you grow in relationship with him to reveal to you like light in a dark room, he does a work in your heart to over time reveal to you. It starts with the moment of salvation and it continues as we are sanctified by his spirit. But God works in your heart to shine light and to reveal to you more of who he is, more of his glory and his goodness. It's almost like, move that bus! And then something happens and it's like cha-ching and it's like you see him for who he is. You, see, you, you get a new glimpse of him and you get a new recognition of, of what he's done for you in Jesus Christ, the grace that he has for you. And, and, and as you, you see him, the, the response is, is not planned, it's just, it just happens. You, you just go, are you kidding me? Oh my word, like you're amazing. God, thank you for giving to me. God, you're, you're wonderful, you've blessed me beyond measure. And the response happens. That response from revelation of God is what we call worship. And it is the greatest gift of life to grow as a worshiper of God. Now, Pastor Barrett, why are you telling us all this? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's the point. What I told you just a second ago is that you've got to understand giving as worship. In other words, giving is at its best in your life when it's not something that you're having to think a lot about. It's just coming out of a of a heartfelt response to who you know God is and how he has given to you. When God reveals himself to you, giving is part of just what follows when you really know him for who he is. That is what God wants to grow in your heart, to understand giving as a true act of worship as a sincere response to who he is. So, what I want to walk through this morning is the reveal and the response of giving as worship. Are y'all ready for it? All right? It's pretty simple, but I want to walk you through this this morning, and then I want to ask you at the end of it to pray, God, would you grow my heart to understand giving as an act of worship? So here's the reveal. We're going to start with the reveal. The reveal part, right? The move that bus moment. You're not going to stare at a house. That's not where we're going to focus on when we're talking about giving, all right? The move that bus moment in our hearts, what, what God wants to reveal more of to you is his generosity to you. The reveal moment in giving is the generosity of God. When the veil lifts in our heart, when the Holy Spirit does a work and he helps us to see God for who he is, here's what he wants you to see. God is generous. He is so, so generous. Our God, who has always been, who is today and forever will be in his essence, he is a generous, generous God. He gives and gives and gives. This is who he is through and through. He has always been this way. And today he is this way toward you. Your God is more generous than you could ever think or imagine more generous than you have ever understood. You have just but begun to see the generosity of God towards you. The reveal moment is this. To understand, God wants you to bring 
bring you to a place where you are amazed. We are amazed by the generosity of God. We're amazed. Or we just, or we just step back and we're just like, are you kidding me? He is so generous. Another way to understand this, maybe you can write this down and then I promise as soon as we do this, we're gonna go to a lot of scripture. Another way you can understand this is this. God's trying to help you see that everything that you have and everything that you are is owed to the generosity and the gifts of God. Literally, guys, every single thing that you have, I'm talking about the stuff that you're wearing today, any money that's in your bank account, any house that you might get home to, any car that you might drive this afternoon, any relationship that is in your life. We'll, we'll go through more of this in a second, but everything that you have, and more important, everything you are, your very life, the fact that you were born, the fact that today you are breathing, everything that makes you you, your personality, your heart, your gifts, your skills, everything you have and everything you are, all of it is owed to the generosity and the gifts of God to you. I wanna walk through scripture this morning and I really do hope you're taking notes because here's what I wanna do. I wanna help you see the revealed moment in the scripture. And I'm gonna do this by taking a broad brush, okay? And helping you see all the ways that the scripture speaks about the generosity and the gifts of God towards you. All you're probably gonna to have to do this morning, have time to do, is to take notes on the references. If you're taking notes, and I hope you will, you might uh, take a note on the theme that we're talking about and just the reference. We're gonna go kind of quick. But I would encourage you, whether it's taking notes or just sitting and allowing God to reveal himself to you, I am asking the Holy Spirit right now to reveal to you something about the true nature of your life and what you have that will floor you that will make you stand in awe and go to your knees and worship because truly everything you have and everything you are, he has given to you. Starts with physical life. Job 33 verse four says, God gives us physical life. The reason that you were born is because God gave a gift to you. You didn't decide to be born. God decided that he wanted you and he brought you to life. And your physical life right now is a gift of God. The spirit of God, Job says, has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Why do you have life? Because God gave you a gift of life. Not only does God give you life, but God gives you breath. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 to 25 says, the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind, including you, life and breath and everything. Take a breath. God just gave that to you. Take another one. That one is a gift too. 
God gives even breath in your lungs. The Bible teaches that God gives us daily bread. Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. There were donuts in the workroom this morning. When you see something available to eat in your pantry or you have the money to buy it, what you need to do is not feel proud of yourself, but to say, God, thank you for giving me what I need to eat. God gives you daily bread. It's his gift to you. He gives you provision. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Every provision in your life, every resource that you have, anything that you go, oh, I'm so glad that I have X, Y, or Z, because I need that, because I enjoy that. Who provided that TV in your house? Who provided that car in your garage? Who provided the education that you have had or are currently experiencing? The Bible says God gives it. God gives everything. He provides us with everything to enjoy. It's all from his hand. The scripture goes on and says that God gives us wealth. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 18. All of your money, whatever income that you make, if you get paid on a monthly basis or a bi-weekly basis or a weekly basis or per jobs, per projects, anytime you receive any money, God wants you to know he has given that to you. He put that in your bank account. He caused your managers to hire you at that amount. He's caused that resource to come to you in that way. He says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. In fact, God gives us every needed thing. Philippians chapter four, verse nine says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Everything that you need, God takes care of you. And it's not because he has to. It's not because he's obligated to. It's because he's chosen to take what he has and open it up to you. He has chosen from his heart and from his resources to make himself available to you and to meet your needs. Why do you have what you need? It's because God is a giver. God has been generous and kind to you. God has given you what you have. God gives us needed light. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 35. Anybody glad that the sun came up? Well, kind of today, right? Through the clouds. Anybody ever been out in the woods? Uh, I remember when I lived in West Africa, the moon at night was just amazing. When you live in a place where there's no electricity, you realize what a gift the moon is at night. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 35 says, thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars at light by night, who stirs up the sea and its waves. Look, he's saying, if when the sun comes up every day, when you see it setting over the Mississippi River and you're like, whoa, beautiful. How about you, you stop and go, God gave us light today. Aren't you grateful? When the moon comes up at night, look at it and be amazed that God has given generously such gifts to you. He also gives us needed rain. This is a good day to talk about rain, is it not? 
Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1 says, ask the rain from the Lord in the season of the spring rain for the Lord who makes the storm clouds and he will give them showers of rain. Why does rain come? Sure, meteorologists, meteorologists can tell us all the scientific reasons why rain comes and they're not wrong about the patterns, they can predict it, etc. But who is in charge of the rain? What we know is God is in charge of the rain and if he wanted it to stop, it would stop. We get rain because God is generous and chooses to give it. Let's go to the spiritual realm. God gives us spiritual life. We talked about how he gives us physical life, but did you know God also gives spiritual life? Jesus himself said in John chapter six, verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus came that there might be true life which is not just physical, but is ultimately life experienced in a relationship with God, life in the spirit. Who makes possible this kind of realm of whole living, this kind of spiritual living? It is God in his generosity, he gives spiritual life. We know that God is the one who can give us a right heart. I know many in this room perhaps ask the question, how can I be right with God? After we sin, after things are so broken, how can I be put right again? Well, I'll tell you who can make you right in your heart. It's God. But even the opportunity that you have to experience a right heart is a gift that God gives. It's not something he owes you. It's not something you deserve. It is a generous gift. He has what you need and he's willing to open himself up to give it. Jeremiah 24, seven, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. It is a gift of God and they shall be my people and I will be their God. God gives resurrection power. You ever wonder how it's possible to hope in anything beyond death? You wanna know how it's possible after you feel your heart dead and beaten up because of sin and transgressions and iniquities, how it is possible to feel the Holy Spirit again, how it is possible to be renewed in the joy of your salvation, it is because your God is a God who is willing and able to give to you something that you desperately need. And that is resurrection power. He is able to bring life from death and he is able to make you new on the inside. Romans 4, 17 says, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of God whom he believed. He gives life to the dead and he calls into existence the things that do not exist. It is God who generously and graciously gives life. God gives inheritance. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 10, the idea of a promise of God that he's gonna keep. He started that in the Old Testament. He's fulfilled it in the church. And there's one day, all the promises of God we know are yes and amen in Christ. And it says that God is giving us these things to inherit. God gives promises and then he makes good on those promises. Are you grateful that you have a promise to hope in from God? If you are, then know that that is a gift that he gives. God gives us strength Psalm 29, 11 says, may the Lord give strength to his people. Anybody ever had a hard day and you cry out to God, oh Lord, would you make me strong on the inside? Anybody have a moment where you just feel weak and you feel trembling and you feel afraid and you cry out to God and you experience the strengthening of God in your inner person as you've trusted him and depended on him? 
That strength, if there's any inner confidence in you, if there's any true spiritual strength in you, if there's any answers to prayer when you're weak and afraid and alone, you can know that God gives you that strength, not out of obligation, but because he's opened himself to you and he's generous with you. And he gives you strength that is a gift of his heart and by the power of his hand. He gives you songs in the night. There's been a, several nights in this last season where I have been awakened in the middle of the night, distressed in my soul. If you've ever been through mourning or if you've ever been through change or if you've ever been through anxiety, you probably know sleepless nights. Anybody witness to that? How is it that in the middle of the night, when you feel sleepless and restless and all, everything feels like it's caving in, that you can get down by the side of your bed or even just laying in bed there in your heart and cry out to God, oh God, would you help me? God, right now I need you. And that darkness turns into a lightness and that morning turns into a song. Who is it? How is it that that happens? That is your generous God who gives and gives and gives to you. He gives a song in the nights. Job 35.10 says, but none says, where is God, my maker, who gives songs in the night? He gives victory. Anybody grateful that in a moment of temptation or in a moment of need that you experience the victory of God? Even if you can't think of it moment to moment, aren't you grateful that you know, that you know, that you know that in the end, all things will work out for good because Jesus Christ has defeated death and Satan Sin itself, he's put it to the grave. He is resurrected with new life after three days and he lives and he will come again and he will give victory over all things. Are you grateful for that promise of victory? For that experience of victory? Who are you gonna thank for that? Thank God. It is because of God's generosity, he gives, it says, thanks be to God in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gives us favor and honor. Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He gives favor to you. He crowns you with a crown of righteousness, the psalm says. How is this? Who would this be to give me, a wretch like me, amazing grace? How sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. It's the grace and the generosity of God. He gives understanding. Anybody been in a situation where you don't know what to do and you don't know how to do it and you need understanding, you need insight about the scripture, you need insight about a specific situation. Psalm 119, 169 says, if you've ever experienced grace in that, your cry comes before you, O Lord, give me understanding. It's God who gives this out of the goodness of his heart and by the power of his hand, he opens himself up to give to you. He also gives wisdom. Proverbs 2, 6 says, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You don't deserve that. He's not obligated to give you wisdom in any situation in your life where you're freaking out and you're like, I don't know what to do. He doesn't have to give you anything, but he chooses to open himself up to you. He chooses to take what he has and to give to you. He pours out wisdom into your life when you need it. It is the generosity and the gift of God. And he gives this in all gifts generously. James 1 talks about this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to those without approach. He's not trying to be stingy with what he has. He has opened it up to you and he's given it all. 
He gives grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, but rather this is the gift of God. You would be stuck in your sin if it were not for the grace of God. You'd be stuck trying to work your way to God and your works would never be enough. How is it that you have been given grace? I'll tell you, it is all the gift of God. You didn't deserve it. He wasn't obligated to give it, but he's opened himself up to you and now he gives grace. He gives us peace. John 14, Jesus says directly, peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you. If you have ever Live long enough to go through hell, to go through chaos, to go through uncertainties, to go through breakups, to go through relationship changes, to go through job losses, to go through health diagnoses. You know that sometimes the world spins out of control around you. And yet, as you call out to God, you know the peace that God gives that surpasses understanding. How is it that we have this peace? It is because God has opened himself up to you and he's willing to give what he has to you. It is the generosity of God. God gives us his ear. Luke 11 talks about how the Holy Spirit is given to those who ask him, are you grateful that when you cry out to God that God is willing to hear you? Even his open ear to you is a gift that he gives you in his love for you. He gives us his Holy Spirit. John chapter four, verse eight says, therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Is there anyone in the room that is grateful for the indwelling presence of God? Grateful that at this moment, you feel in your heart, in your soul, the testimony of the Spirit of God reminding you, you are his. God didn't have to put his spirit in you. He didn't have to make you his temple. He didn't have to assure you of his love. He didn't have to remind you constantly that it is near, that you are his child. The very gift of the Holy Spirit is in fact just that, a gift. He wasn't obligated to do it and you certainly didn't deserve it. He has opened himself up to you because of his love for you and given you his spirit out of the generosity of his heart. Most importantly, he gives you eternal life. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin, your sin, is death. This is what you deserve. If God had not given, that's, what, that's where we'd all be. We would just die spiritually and we would die physically and we would die forever. That's the wages of our rebellion against God. But the story doesn't end with our sin. The story ends with his grace. And it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life. Aren't you grateful that the end of your story does not have to be sin and death, but rather grace and life? That gift is a gift of God. How is this gift accomplished? You wanna know how to see the generosity of God the most? Look in the face of Jesus Christ. God gives his only son. Perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible is from John 3.16. And this verse is the pinnacle. It's like the climax of understanding the gift of God. For God so loved the world, including you, that he did what? That he gave. You didn't deserve it. He was not obligated to do it, but he gave. And what did he give? For God so loved the world that he gave what? 
his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. God just didn't give little gifts here and there. He gave what was most precious to him. He gave his son, his only son, for you. And this brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You got that? Are you there in your Bibles? Because I want to make sure you see it in your Bible. I know it's on the screen, all right? But I want to make sure you see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And this is perhaps the most important of all the reveal moments in the scripture as it relates to the generosity of God. And it says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in this, that though he was rich, he became poor for your sake, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Now, I got to tell you, I know a lot of wealthy people. I got a lot of wealthy friends. I've got wealthy family members in this city. There are wealthy people. There are some really good-hearted, wealthy people. I think of one man, Kimmons Wilson, who started Holiday Inn. Anybody ever heard of Holiday Inn? You probably heard of Kimmons Wilson because his name is all over the buildings at University of Memphis and things like that. There are people who have foundations and family foundations. There are people who have lots of money and they give it and they're generous with it and praise God for them. But what I do not know is a single wealthy person personally that has ever completely divested of their wealth for the sake of giving. Most wealthy people that I know, they give and they give generously, but they always keep something for themselves to make sure that they don't run out of money. They're always, in a way, like in sh thinking of themselves in some way. Even if they're trying to be small or simple or content with that, they're still keeping something for themselves. And they're giving out of the excess, typically. What is so amazing about our God, friends, is that he is the wealthiest of all wealthy. But friends, as he came to earth to live in love for you, and as he went to the cross to die for you, he wasn't interested in keeping anything for himself. He took the fullness of what he had, all the riches of what he had, and he actually emptied it all and became poor. He sacrificed it all. He divested of all of it. Why? For your sake. So that you, who had nothing, could have everything because of him. <laughs> Whoa. This is your God, generous through and through. 
The reveal moment is the generosity of God. This is why we sing in the song that we've been singing a lot in this last season. It's called Generous Giver. We sing in the song, the chorus goes like this. Arms open wide upon a cross. You don't withhold your love from us. You love no matter what the cost. Jesus, we see you. Please don't leave me alone. You are the generous giver. Your mercy overflows. Your blessing is a river. On and on and on it goes. You are an endless fountain. You're filling up my life. My heart must sing your praises. Jesus, you be glorified. And then the bridge goes, you're so much better. You're so much kinder than anything we think you are. Your love is deeper. Your love is higher. Open our eyes to see you, God. You are the generous giver. Your mercy overflows. Your blessing is forever. On and on it goes. You are an endless fountain. You're filling up my life. My heart must sing your praise. Jesus, you be glorified. The move that bus moment in our life is when God, who lets light shine in darkness, reveals to our hearts how much he's given. Do you want to understand giving them? And I'll close with this. You're sitting here, Pastor Barrett, today. You're saying sermons about giving. You haven't really told us at all about how to give. You're right. I haven't yet. Because giving starts with worship. I don't have to tell you to give when you know how God has given to you. I don't have to ask you to be generous when you recognize that everything you have comes from God. Because he... When the reveal moment happens, and this is what you need to pray, God, would you reveal to me your generosity? Because when the reveal moment happens, what follows is the response. And the response is simple. It's twofold. God, I want to thank you. (laughs) And God, I want to be like you. That's it. God, I want to thank you. (laughs) And God, I want to be like you. When you see him for who he is, Worship will happen in your life. And worship will look like thankfulness to God and likeness to God. This is why in the Old Testament we talk about free will offerings. Before we even have, God has to tell you what he requires of you. He just wants for you to give. The whole idea of free will offerings in Leviticus 23 comes straight from this. It's the idea of David and Samuel chapter 6. Y'all know the story, right? When David gets so overwhelmed that God has been gracious and kind to him, that the ark of God has been saved and that he can bring it to Jerusalem and put it in its rightful place, that God has fulfilled his promises, it says David went and danced before the Lord with all of his might. 
And it says he was wearing a linen ephod and David and the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting with the sound of the horn. And they brought in the ark and they set it in its place inside of a tent that David had pitched for it. And David there, just, he just gave. This is not something God demanded. He saw something of the generosity of God and his response was, God, I, I just, I just want to love on you right now. Thank you for giving to me. And he gave offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And he blessed the people after he did it. He's just, God, I just want to thank you. The New Testament story of this is in John chapter 12. As the Mary comes in to where Jesus was at Bethany after Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And she's so overwhelmed by the generosity of God in Jesus Christ. As he sat there having dinner, Lazarus was there at table and Mary took a pound, it says, in John chapter 12, verse 3, took a pound of the expensive ointment and the nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with perfume. Of course, we know that Judas Iscariot tried to stop it, but Jesus rebuked Judas and said, do not stop her, she's loving on me. The whole idea of giving here is not something, oh, shoot, I guess I've got to tithe. Ugh. Jesus wants my money. Jesus wants my perfume. No, she's overwhelmed by the generosity of Jesus. And she comes in and she doesn't just give a little, she gives a lot, she just pours it out. She's not thinking about how much she's giving. She's thinking about the one who has given everything to her. And when giving is right, it is worship. And when giving is worship, it's not thinking about how much you're giving, it's thinking about the one who's given everything to you. The focus of your giving is the generosity of God. God, I want to thank you. I wonder how much of your giving as I close this morning, how much of your giving comes from just a thankful heart? Do you, how excited are you? One of the things I love about going to Africa is their giving time is the most exciting time of the service. They play trumpets, they get excited, they start dancing. Everybody in the whole church stands up and they make a big Congo line kind of thing and they have a giving box up front and they all come and they, they wave their hands like this and they've got their offering envelopes, and they come and they give it joyfully to the Lord. I haven't seen a giving time like that at ICC. <laughs> but it should be. Maybe we should start the line, all right? But I wonder in your heart, do you anticipate the opportunity to love on God through what you give? God, I joyfully give to you because I know everything that I have. You have given to me. You give me life and breath and everything, Every bit of money in my bank account. You have put it there. God, I thank you for being generous to me. I thank you for giving your own life for me, that you being rich became poor because I was poor and now I'm rich. God, I, this is the best thing I get to do with my money. I get to love on you. If that's not your heart, I want you to think beyond giving to the growth that's possible. If you'd be one who grows and worship and one that grows to be like God. Part of the opportunity you have is to learn to be like him. It says in Genesis 1.27, you were created in his image. And if he is generous, what does it look like to bear his image in your life? It's to look like being generous too. There's a reason that the word miserable starts with the word miser. Because when you try to keep for yourself, you're actually the most unlike God ever. When you give of yourself, it is the most like God that you are. For God 
is a generous and giving God. Learn the joy of worship, the joy of thanking him, and the pursuit of becoming more like him. Pray, God, grow my heart. Father, I pray that as we have considered your generosity this morning, that you would grow our hearts, Jesus. Oh, Father, we pray that you would touch us in such a way that we could, Lord, know who you are and how you've given, and Lord, want to joyfully give back to you. Father, I want to ask for your forgiveness on my behalf, but on behalf of our church family. Lord, there, there, there's just so many times, Lord, that we're just so stingy. We just keep for ourselves and Lord, how could we? How could we think about me and mine when you are our God and everything we have is because you thought not about yourself but you thought about us. You loved us and you gave yourself for us. Oh Lord, would you just be gracious to reveal more of your generosity in our lives and Lord, would you free us of the grip that we have on our resources. Would you free us to love on you, to respond to you like Mary at your feet? Would our resources just be poured out as a fragrant offering? Would we recognize that the best giving comes when we're not thinking about the gift but the giver? Thank you, Jesus, for how you give to us. Would you grow our hearts? to be more thankful for you, to be more like you. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.